It's better to keep your mouth shut and let people think you're an idiot than to open it and leave no doubt. You know, I hope there's Bigfoot. I don't think there is. What a beautiful woman. Wow. He's, AJ's doing Whoa. some things right down So if you're a youngster in Alabama, start getting the football out and throw it around the backyard with Pop. Welcome to the podcast. Well, welcome back to the podcast. We want to welcome a very special guest today. It's Brett McMurphy. He is, according to his Twitter bio, America's College Football Insider. So not just any, he is America's College Football Insider. Works for Action Network. Uh, and he's done a lot of cool things. I asked him before this podcast started um, how he wants to be introduced. And he says he has a really awesome Steve Spurrier story on how to be introduced. So without further ado, Brett McMurphy, can you tell me how to introduce you according to Spurrier? Well, this is uh, a friend of mine when I worked at the Tampa Tribune was doing a big profile on Steve Spurrier when he had just started coaching at Florida. And he had, uh, the reporter had asked Spurrier, um, you know, what's it like to be an offensive guru? And Spurrier goes, guru, guru. Is that what you're going to call me? Guru. And the reporter goes, yeah, guru. And Spurrier goes, let's make it something better. How about, how about, how about mastermind? So, Steve Spurrier prefers to be called mastermind instead of offensive guru. So, so without without further ado, it's Brett McMurphy, America's college football mastermind. Does that sound better? I'll take it. Yeah, and, and I just want to be clear: I, I am not only North America, but South America's college football inside too. So, I want to clarify that. <laughs> is, is Central just a part of that as That's well? That's good to know. Central America, or is it just North and South? Uh, I'm I'm uh, working on that trademark as we speak. So you just you got to scoop for yourself. Good job. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, I guess our first question would be um, kind of how did you get into this field, and, and what what led you to being um, uh, South America and North America's um, college football uh, insider? Try to make this as brief as possible. I took journalism in high school because that's where all the the hot girls were, and uh, I played every Bingo. sport. Played every sport known to mankind at uh, for the great UConn Millers in UConn High School, and my uh, oh, gosh. college career. Oh, one of our yeah, best so, buddies uh, up there. That's awesome. So basically, uh, my option was I had like a partial scholarship to go to um, East Central University to play football. But my journalism teacher fortunately made me fill out a scholarship application at Oklahoma State. She literally forced me to do it. I was saying, no, I don't want to do it. She goes, no, sit down. You're going to do it. I already told your teacher you're going to be late to class. So I did that. I got a scholarship to Oklahoma State, um, worked in the sports information office there, obviously wrote for the for the Ocali, the student paper. And then uh, from there, went to Odessa, Texas. I covered Friday Night Lights before it was Friday Night Lights. I covered that team the year before Buzz Bissinger came in and did the Friday Night Light books and was there a couple of years, went to Tampa, worked for several years for the Tampa Tribune, saw the way things were going, went to the online route, been at America Online, was at CBS Sports. Uh, from there, ESPN hired me, was there six years until the massive layoffs, and then now I'm with the Action Network. So how I became a college football insider is basically just a lot of uh, luck and being very fortunate and just doing this for a long time. Um, I, I, even though I've had several jobs since I moved to Tampa, I've been at several different companies. I've never had to leave Tampa. I've always been able to cover college football and, and have just loved it. I, I love it because you're nothing. It's high school. I loved covering Odessa Permian high school. That was incredible. But at college, you're, you know, you're a step away from the parents calling you up and complaining about writing about your son and then you're also you're also a step away from the players, you know, having to go through an agent to talk to a player. It's more one on one, although it's certainly becoming uh, more and more like the NFL every day. Uh, but the funny thing is about my choice back in high school, if I would have 
somehow I stumbled across this. If I would have gone to East Central University, I obviously would have blown out my knee, you know, probably as a freshman and become a PE coach and um, weighed about 400 pounds. Uh, I would have actually, I would have actually played college football if I would have made the team. I would have played college football with none other than Todd Graham, the former Tulsa, Pitt, and Hawaii coach. He was there at the same time. Oh, cool. So things worked out for me in the right way. On a day-to-day basis, what does your uh, daily job look like? Like, uh, what do you do around the office? Or, yeah, how do you get your, all your information and stuff like that? Well, the, the great news about my job is it's very flexible. Uh, there's no set hours. The, the worst thing about my job is it's very flexible. There's no hours. So, for instance, yesterday, <laughs> you know, I'm, I was writing a story that posted today on uh, the Action Network app. It's basically kind of, it's a fun type story. It's not like a new story, but just kind of about where, why coaches coaches will reveal their depth charts, their two deeps and other coaches guard it like it's the nuclear codes and they don't want anyone to know it. So I wanted to make fun of the coaches that are all paranoid. So I was working on that. And then, you know, just talking to people about different things, I found out that Washington had met with the Big Ten, and I'd reported the week before Oregon had met with the Big Ten about joining a conference. So basically, I drop everything to start reporting that. As I'm reporting that, I hear about the college football playoff is looking to expand to 12 teams in two years. So then I'm trying to juggle those two things. So, you know, yesterday, it's just, you know, basically trying to keep my head on straight and figure out what I'm doing. So many things are going on. That was that's not a normal day, but most days, you know, you just try to, once the season gets in, you know, get into a routine where, you know, I vote in the AP poll. So I'm watching the last game Saturday night, filing that thing, um, you know, usually about two or 3 AM on Sunday. And then, you know, doing podcast with the action network on Sunday and Monday, and then writing various things through the week. And then end of the week doing our, our live, uh, live pick show on Saturday. And so you kind of get it into a routine, but there's really not like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, working from nine to five. It's just kind of depends on the flow of the season, what's going on with me with breaking news. Like yesterday, all hell breaks loose. And then you can, you could go several weeks where it's crickets and there's really nothing going on. So, uh, you know, I don't know if I really answered your question, but it's, 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 um, you know, again, I just have to have my phone, my computer with me at all times. If I'm driving or whatever, if something happens, I pull over, or, you know, and start start chasing it or seeing what I can find out. Do you, so it sounds like you don't get to tailgate. Yeah, I was it sounds say, like you don't was, get to tailgate very often, does it? I'm trying to remember the last time I tailgated. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't rem- I really don't remember. It's been so long because I'm. The thing is now with all the technology, you know, like back when I was, you know, your guys' age and, and covering, you know, back covering high schools at Odessa and Tampa before I moved up to covering colleges and stuff, you know, you would go to a game and you would write all these things about the game. Well, now that has changed because everybody gets the information immediately. You know, if you want to know the score of a game, you can turn on your phone, you can watch the game, you can watch the stats in real time, et cetera. So, it's really, I think, for me anyway, because I'm covering everything on a national scope, it's actually a disadvantage to be at one game. Because, you know, what's the best game this week? Notre Dame, Ohio State, um, Georgia, Oregon, you know, Utah, Florida. There's some really great games. But if you're at that game and the game turns into a route and then you're like, oh, man, you know, what else is going on across the country? And you've got all these crazy things going on. There's, you know, there's a huge upset an FCS teams beating an FBS team or whatever. It's hard to really monitor and track it. So, um, yeah, I not only haven't been to tailgate in a long time, but it's really the only games I go to now are the uh, college football playoff games because they're the final ones. There's nothing else going on, the semifinals and then the championship game. So so our next question, you said you're an Oklahoma State graduate, which is near and dear to my heart, but um... – so, so do you get back to Stillwater very often, or, or you obviously said you know don't end up going to many games? Um, but yeah, how do, how does that look like for your alma mater? I don't get to get back during the season. Uh, I still have family that lives in um, lives in Oklahoma City, in the Edmond area. So I will 
I will go back, um, you know, when it's not college football season and visit them. And my wife and daughter will go up to Stillwater and, you know, go get some hideaway pizza and hang out at Joe's and, and drive around. And, you know, oh, that's where Garth played. That's where my fraternity was. That's now a parking lot, uh, you know, and reminisce like that. But uh, I haven't, haven't been back, <laughs> God, in season. Probably the last Oklahoma State game I went to, and I, you guys may know, I forget the year, um, when Oklahoma State beat OU to win the Big 12 title before the, the Big 12 title game, um, I was working with oh, CBS Sports, and the, my favorite thing was, I still remember, I'll never forget this, is when I was you know, tweeting about how Oklahoma State was dominating OU, and just the, the course of the game, an OU fan tweeted at me and said, wait till next year. I said, oh, my God, I can't believe it. An OU fan telling me to wait till next year. So uh, that's probably the last the last OSU <laughs> game I've seen in person. But I do, when, I'm, when I get back home to Oklahoma City, we usually make the trip up to Stillwater. Um, I'd love to play Karsten Creek, uh, you know, hint, hint to, uh, to anybody at, at the pro shop there. Uh, that course is incredible. I have not been able to play it. <laughs> But yeah, I, I try to try to get up there. Obviously, it's it's changed a great deal. Um, the biggest change for me is when I went to Oklahoma State. Uh, five months, three months after I got there, they changed the drinking age from eighteen to twenty-one. Fortunately, I turned already turned eighteen, so I was grandfathered in. So that was a fun time for me, but it sucked for my buddies who weren't eighteen. Yet. Well, uh, the Carson Creek thing, I had a girlfriend for a long time who worked there. Just a uh, real shame that I'm not dating her anymore. But um, uh, we're going to move that's on a to bad that question. Bad yeah, that was a bad life choice on your part. But go ahead. Uh, absolute, absolute fumble on my end. Um, so I'm not going to give you – we're not going to say much about the whole Nebraska being in your top 25, you know. That first drive, I could have sworn they were going to be the <laughs> national champs. They were going to be the national champs after that first drive. They marched down the field, and then their second drive looked – about as Nebraska as it could get. But uh, what other team across the landscape of college football could you see being higher than what some people are really giving them credit for? Who's your dark horse this year? Well, it's funny because, you know, and you're right, you know, I got blasted on Twitter and deservedly so. <laughs> I'm if you're a Seinfeld fan. I'm Costanza, Lord of the Idiots. But <laughs> the thing is, you know, everyone gets so worked up about the, the top 25 poll, and I vote, I've been voting in it for, for a while. And it's funny, and I understand why, but when you look at it historically, basically a third of the top 25 in the preseason poll ends up the year unranked. So you've got eight or nine teams that aren't ranked that end up in the top 25. Um, you also have at least one team every year that starts the year in the top 10 and falls out of the top 25. Not only do they fall out of the top 10, but they they totally fall out of the top 25. So um, I guess some teams that I think that might surprise that maybe aren't ranked as high as they are. Uh, probably the biggest disagreements for me is, I think I rated um, Penn State in my top 25. They didn't make the rankings. Um, I think they've got a good shot to to um, to finish in the top twenty-five. Uh, Tennessee almost. I've got Tennessee in my top twenty-five. They came in, you know, this top team also receiving votes. I think they've got a really good shot. Josh Heupel, what he's done offensively, if they can just figure out how to play some defense there, and um, they're on the east side of the SEC, not as tough as sledding as in the SEC West. So. I would probably say those two, um, as far as people that are in the, excuse me, in the top 25, you know, I was the only idiot that ranked Nebraska number 25. I'll, I'll correct that next week. Don't <laughs> worry. Uh, but I actually had Miami at number four. That's higher than anybody else had. They came in at number 16. I just think after the top three schools, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, you drop off a cliff. After that, I think there's maybe about six to 10 teams mm -hmm. where you could, you could make an argument for any any team in that group. And I'd say, you know what, you're right. Cause I, I think that's how close those teams are together. Um, and I think, you know, I think Miami is going to be really good, which guarantees six and six, but I think Mar Mario Cristobal, what he's done there, he's changed the attitude there. They got rid of the turnover chain, Tyler Van Dyke. If you haven't seen him, one of the best quarterbacks in the country and one of the 
top quarterbacks in a league that's loaded with quarterbacks. Uh, they go at A&M early in the season, so we'll find out right away if if I'm smart or not. Uh, but I think they've got a good shot. I actually think as far as the ACC, Miami and NC State are both better than Clemson, even though Clemson came in at number four. I just, you know, Clemson's been incredible with the killer defense and great quarterbacks. Well, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence are no longer there. And Brent Venables, Brent Venables of course, is at Oklahoma, and last year Clemson had the second worst offense in the ACC. So I just I, I want Clemson to prove it to me, and that's I probably ranked them lower than anybody else. I had them down at eleven. Well, um, uh, going off of that, I guess were you able to uh, make it to Dublin for the Nebraska Northwestern game? Uh, I was not. I was I was like everyone else watching. Uh, watching in envy when somebody tweeted that the credit card machines weren't working and they were giving away free beer to which immediately, you know, I assume that the big 10 would then move every future game there. They're going to have free beer, but uh, I I did not make it. I'm sure that was a very long plane ride back for Scott Frost. And he got to think about that onside kick um, for several hours. The, the, the weird thing about that is, and, you know, I'm as guilty as everyone else, and anyone that says they didn't say this is lying to you. When Scott Frost was hired at Nebraska, everyone, the cliche, home run hire, and you guys know all the reasons. Alma mater, did an unbelievable job at UCF, you know, did great things as offensive coordinator at Oregon. But for whatever reason, that hasn't worked out. I really think if Scott Frost would have, only been in like his second or third year at Nebraska and there ha- isn't all this pressure on him to win this year, that he up 11 at, against Northwestern in Ireland, he probably wouldn't have attempted that onside kick. I'd love to give him true serum and ask him that question because I think the reason he did it was he felt the need that he had to prove that Nebraska's back, Nebraska's a powerhouse. So it wasn't just enough that they were winning. They had to win convincingly. And what had happened is – uh, he turned to what I thought was a sure win at that point into a loss, and now he's fighting for his job. So that, that goes right into our next question. We had a listener ask us, um, basically, so if, if Scott Frost is removed or fired, who, who would you think about hiring at Nebraska? And it's a very unique situation now. Um, I guess what, what names come to mind there? My first one, I don't know why I think this, is Dan Mullen but maybe I'm crazy for thinking that. Um, but what, what names would you think would be a good hire for, for Well, the Lincoln? challenge for Nebraska is, and actually Bo Pelini told me this when he was coaching at Nebraska. He said it's the hardest, co- it's the hardest school in America to recruit to. And the reason is, is there aren't a lot of players in the state of Nebraska. You know, so you've got to recruit nationally. Well, Nebraska is no longer in the Big 12, so you can't go down and recruit the Texas kids because you can't tell mom and dad, you know, hey, we'll be down here playing so you can come see your son play. So now you're having to recruit nationally. Well, wh- what are you up against? Well, you've not in the – look, I've been to Lincoln. I love Nebraska. But, you know, it gets very cold in Nebraska. <laughs> so you're recruiting against teams from the SEC. Now you're recruiting in the Big Ten, and now you're opening up California. So that's one of the hardest jobs out there. Um I don't think necessarily you need a Nebraska guy. I don't know what Nebraska guys left. Um, I, well, I think Dan Mullen would be um, – I think he'd be as good as anybody out there. For whatever reason, it didn't work at Florida. Gators weren't happy maybe with his recruiting, so obviously that may be an issue. Um, he's a, he's working for ESPN this season. And I know this from working at ESPN. Every former coach I worked with at ESPN – was dying to get back to being a coach. So I expect him to return to the coaching rank somewhere next year. Um, I don't, you know, that's a great question. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head who I would automatically um, put in there at Nebraska. You know, it is a big 10 school. It is it got a ton of resources. It just got a $7 billion TV deal for the conference. So you can maybe look at, look at some, some coaches, that have had a lot of success at smaller, at smaller schools like Luke Fickle. But would it, would he want to go to Nebraska? He may have a better situation in Cincinnati moving into the Big Twelve. Um, I'm just looking at guys like that that would want to make, 
the move up. Perhaps you could get, um, you know, somebody maybe from the ACC um, to go to Nebraska. I don't know. I mean, that's a really good question. I, to be very honest, I have it like, I don't have a chart of top available coaches or anything, Um, but certainly I'm sure that's something (laughs) Trev Alberts is, is, um, has, has been planning for, for a couple, well, at least since he took over as AD. So, you, you broke some major news yesterday that could be potentially happening with the college football playoff and the expansion of it. Um, how, how serious are these allegations you're, you're putting out there? How, how legitimate could we actually see an expanded playoff over the next cu- couple of years? Yeah, well, they're not, I'm, I'm, they're not actually allegations, but basically, you know. Allegations, bad word, my bad. No, that's <laughs> fine. Um, yeah, believe me, the college football playoff has, has been called a lot worse. Uh, no, I mean this is this is very shocking because basically the commissioners had presented a plan last year and said this we want to do the twelve team playoff. They had a working group that had determined this is how it's going to be, but then the Big Ten, the Pac twelve, and the ACC pushed back on it strictly because the ACC added Oklahoma and Texas. They felt like they were hoodwinked and whatever reason their feelings were hurt. So they said, okay, we're not going to approve this. So, okay, fine. We're going to have a four-year play, four-team playoff for the remaining four years. That's what everyone thought. Well, the presidents took it upon themselves, which basically the, the board of managers or the 11 presidents that run the college football playoff, they are over the commissioners. They took it upon themselves to say, look, we need to, we need to, adopt a 12-team playoff before the current deal ends. So they're going to meet Friday. Not sure when you're posting this. They're, they're meeting Friday, and they will basically determine if they want to go to a 12-team playoff. This is huge news, especially for those of you that want to expand a playoff. Yeah. So what it would mean is we would have a four-team, if it goes through, and I think it will, we will have a four-team playoff this year and next year and then we would have a 12-team playoff after the 24 and 25 regular seasons. And then they still have to figure out what they're going to do beyond 25. Now, they may decide to go a 12-team playoff for the next 12 years, six years, whatever, starting in 2024. But this is obviously huge news. And 2024 is a big year because that's the year USC and UCLA go to the Big Ten Obviously, the following year, Oklahoma and Texas go to the SEC, although, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma and Texas somehow got to the SEC a year early. Um, You've obviously got the four teams leaving the American for the Big 12 next year. So there's a lot of movements within the the major conferences. So that's reason two why they're going to the 12-team playoff. Reason 1A, 1B, and 1C is because of the bajillion dollars they're going to make by expanding the playoff. And make no mistake, forget about this is for the students, this is we want to do what's fair for the fans. It's all garbage. They want they need the money, they want the money, they can make more money going to 12 teams. The presidents have recognized that. So they're basically telling the commissioners, figure this thing out, we're going to 12 teams. So there's a lot to unpack here. I think the first thing that I come to mind. So, so you're saying the college football playoff committee or not the committee, not the people that vote, but the 11 presidents, they are the people that are pushing the 12 team expanded playoff um, rather than the conference commission. Well, Is yes that and no. So the, the last year, the, there was a four person, four person group of the 11, there was the 11 commissioners, including the Notre Dame AD. So the four of those were part of a working group. And for a couple of years, their task was to come up with an expanded playoff. Six teams, 12 teams, 64 teams, whatever you want, and then come back to the commissioners with with the best model. They did that. They came back and said, this is the best model. It's a 12-team playoff. The highest-ranked conference, six conference champions would get a bid, and then you would have the next highest – sixth ranked teams that were not conference champions would get into the playoff. They had agreed on that. They just had to get it approved. Well, the, the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC commissioners 
basically shot that down because all of that happened when OU and Texas went to the SEC and they felt like they had been misled by the SEC and that's why they wanted the 12-team playoff, which is nonsense, by the way. So basically, they 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 couldn't they they dis, they agreed. So they had to have all 11 commissioners agree on a new format to expand beyond the four play, 14 playoff. So the presidents, the 11 presidents, one from each conference in Notre Dame, that oversee the commissioners, basically got together and said, "Look." We, we are in favor of the 12-team playoff you, you presented last year. We want you to implement that starting in, in uh, 2024. So you need to get this done. Get, you can figure out the specifics on who qualifies, where the games are at on campus, bowl games, et cetera. But we want a 12-team playoff. We believe that's what's best for, best for college football. So this has never happened before. It's usually the commissioner's make the recommendations up to the presidents and then the presidents rubber stamp it and say, okay, we're going to go to 14 playoff. That's what happened. Or we're going to go even further back to the BCS model, the, the two team playoff, the commissioners make that determination forward it up to the presidents. They rubber stamp it. This time the presidents were so fed up, whatever, you know, whatever description you want to put in there with not having the 12 team playoff that they basically, they skipped the middleman. They basically said, look, we want the 12-team playoff. And then they went back to their commissioners and said, this is what we want. You guys figure this out. And if you can figure it out, we will approve this and we'll go forward. And so they've got to call Friday to see if they can iron those things out. And, yeah, it's it's pretty historic because never, you know, it's, it's all, I guess, kind of a similar but maybe bad comparison would be if, if like – you know, you have to go up the food chain at your company to get something done. And your boss basically says, forget it. This is how we're going to do it. Now you guys figure out how to get it done. Well, uh, speaking about OU in Texas, um, there was rumors yesterday that OU and Texas are gonna maybe will reach a buyout with the Big 12 and leave it for the SEC early. We were just wondering if you have any insight on that and how likely that is to happen or how soon it is. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's any surprise that OU and Texas would want to get into the SEC early. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, that's, if that happens ultimately. I know as of now, as we're speaking, that there's no agreement in place. Um, you know, it, it, if one would happen, it's it's really tricky because you have to get the Big 12 to sign off on it. You've got to get OU and Texas to sign off on it. Obviously, the SEC has to be prepared to take OU and Texas a year early, which of all those scenarios, I think that's the least likely roadblock. Um, so I, I think <laughs> I think especially if the playoff uh, gets expanded in 2024, I think that provides more incentive for the Big 12, OU and Texas to figure something out. Um, but by no means would I say, you know, it's a done deal, but I think it's accurate to say that, you know, they are, I think all parties are, are, are working on that or trying to do that, but it's it's one thing to say people are working on it. And it's another thing to, to say that it's gonna get done 100%. Because again, the, the Big 12, you know, what incentive do they have to let OU and Texas out early, you know? They, it's obviously worth a lot to keep them in the league um, through the end of the Granite Rights through that uh, 24 season. So, so we'll have to see. But um, you know, if if it does happen, my gosh, just look at all the change we would have in the next uh, the next 24 months. No kidding. Uh, so I, I think this kind of goes along with the OU Texas thing, and obviously they're they're intertwined with the Big 12 still. Um, obviously, this week, uh, the, the news broke that the Big 12 is going to open its media rights deal in conversation with ESPN and Fox. Um, it was supposed to be, I think, next week, maybe, possibly, because um, ESPN came back and said they weren't t- discussing right now, um, but that it was the future week. What do you think that signals and means kind of from the Big 12, Pac-12 perspective? Uh, like, wh- why would they want to open their media rights deal now as opposed to doing it later? So, yeah, so I reported that the, the Big 12 will talk with ESPN next week and they'll talk with Fox Sports after Labor Day. And basically what that means is 
The Pac-12 media deal is up after the 2023 season. And so the Big 12 mm-hmm. deal, media deal, is not up until after the 2024 season. So basically, the Pac-12, Commissioner George Klyovkov, said at Pac-12 media days, he believed the Pac-12 had an advantage over the, over the Big 12 because they were next to market as far as going to the going to the networks and saying, okay, let's work out a deal. They current like the the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve almost have they have the same partners almost identically. Um, Fox and the Fox and uh, ESPN. So that would give them an advantage by being able to go to their their media rights partners and work out a deal while when the other conference, the Big Twelve, has to wait a year. So what the Big 12 is doing, what um, the Big 12 announced with new commissioner Brett Yormark, is that actually they would engage in those talks a year earlier. So basically they can, what I've been, sources told me is, so that way the Big 12, and it's no secret, they want teams from the Pac-12. When the, when the Big 10 takes, you know, two to four teams, from the Pac-12, then the Big 12 is going to target the Arizona schools, Utah, and Colorado. So what this allows is the Big 12 can have these discussions with Fox and with ESPN and get some tangible numbers, get some real numbers, and go back to one of those Pac-12 schools and say, okay, look, this is what, this is the projections we got from Fox or ESPN. A Big 12 league, obviously, with the future, the future without OU in Texas, but with, you know, the two Arizona schools, Utah and Colorado, would be worth this much money per school for, for approximately this number of years. It gives them a ballpark figure. It's not exact. It could change. But it gives them an idea, whether it's worth $30 million, whether it's worth $50 million, um, whether it's worth, you know, $100 billion, whatever that number is. And then those Pac-12 schools also know that if they have a media deal by staying in the Pac-12, they know what that number's worth. Is that a similar number? Is it more? Is it less? And then those schools, if they have any desire to leave the Pac-12, will know, okay, if we leave, we're going to be making X amount of money. And if we stay, we're going to be making X amount of money. So that's why the Big 12 wants to do that. What gets tricky for the for the Pac-12 is they're trying to sign a new media rights deal, and you've got Washington and Oregon who are meeting with the Big Ten. You know, I guess Stanford and Cal are up are on deck. Um, and so, really, if you're those schools, how how eager are you to sign away a five or six year media rights deal that locks you into the conference um, for that time of period when you know an invite from the Big Ten could be a couple of weeks, a couple of months, maybe a year away. So that's what makes it challenging for the Pac-12. And so the Big 12 is trying to take advantage of it by, you know, trying to have these early talks so they can give some numbers to those schools. And I know you guys have some Big 12 ties. And, you know, as you mentioned, I'm from Oklahoma State. It's weird, but the reason why the Big 12, it seems to be in more of a position of power than the Pac-12, because I think right now, if you take OU and Texas out, and you just compare the two conferences, you could argue the Pac-12 is better than the leftover Big 12, including the new members, or maybe the Big 12 is a little bit better. I, I, I think it's a coin flip. I really do. However, the Big 12 is coming from a position of stability for one simple reason. Nobody else wants teams from the Big 12. I'm saying that as an Oklahoma State guy. The Big 10 doesn't want anybody. The SEC already got OU in Texas. Why the Pac-12? is in limbo so much is because the Big Ten has its side on the Pac-12. And so that ultimately makes the Pac-12 the weakest of the Power Five conferences right now because they can't fend off the Big Ten. There's nothing they can do other than triple their media rights, which they can't, to keep those teams from leaving to the Big Ten. And so the Big 12 is trying to take advantage of that by moving up their talks and trying to get to these other Pac-12 schools and giving them some information so in case they want to make that decision to leave the Pac-12 to the Big 12. Are we, how close are we to having two just me- mega conferences? 
Like, how close is it to being just, oh, it's the Big Ten and the, and the SEC and everybody else is, is irrelevant? Are, are we very close to that? Uh, it happened, like, last week. <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> when, the, when the Big Ten signed their, you know, seven to $8 billion TV deal, I mean, that, it's, yeah. it's done. I mean, it's, I call them King Kong and Godzilla. You know, determine which, who's your favorite monster, and that's who uh, the SEC is or the Big Ten is. I was at Big Ten Media Days, and I talked to a Big Ten coach, and I asked, who's been around for a while, and I asked him, what's the what's the future of college football look like? And he goes, oh, it's simple. There's going to be, you know, 20 teams in the Big Ten. There's going to be 20 teams in the SEC. One's on Fox. One's on ESPN. Just like the NFL, they don't have our college football version of the Super Bowl, and then we'll have six and seven win bowl teams go play in Tampa and Orlando. And unfortunately, I, th- I think he's right. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago we had six so-called power conferences or they were called automatic qualifying conferences back then. There was a Big East uh, football conference that was one of the six major conferences. Well, what happened? The ACC raided the Big East. Now we're at the Power Five conference level. What's happening now? The Big Ten is gutting the Pac-12. The Big 12 may send a lifeline to some remaining members. So we may only have four power conferences after that. I mean, they can call them the Power Four. They can call them the Fab Four. They can call them whatever they want. But make no mistake, you're dead on. It's the Big Two and everybody else. And what the Big Ten and SEC want to do going forward regarding NIL, paying players, compensating players, eligibility rules, you name it, everybody else can either can – either follow in step or they can be crushed by uh you know under godzilla and and king kong's feet i guess so you mentioned talking to coaches there who who's been your favorite interview of all time aside from us interviewing you who's been your favorite (laughs) interview interview of all time uh it probably wasn't a coach it was probably i mean my well my favorite interview that's hard i i mean this is way way long time ago Interviewed George Foreman, who he was actually a boxer before he sold, uh, before the, he sold uh, the, the grills. Uh, that was fascinating for me. I was, it was, you know, a young time in my career. Uh, my favorite, probably my favorite quote uh, was actually when I was at Oklahoma State. I was, um, well, no, there was one. I had a good one on Urban Meyer, too. Uh, the one at Oklahoma State, I was, I was a student assistant. I was doing quotes. We had to do quotes after the game. My freshman year, Oklahoma State beat Louisville on a buzzer beater. Louisville had won, was the defending national champ. Uh, Eddie Hannon hit a shot at half court. Basically, there was once there was like two seconds left. Louisville missed a free throw. He got the he got the ball in the deep corner by the baseline, dribbled all the way to half court, shot the ball, went in. Oklahoma State won. Obviously, the scorekeeper held the <laughs> didn't start the clock. So it's my first game working basketball. They said go in the visitors' locker room. You could talk about old times. You could actually go in the locker room back then. Um, go in the visitors' <laughs> locker room and get some player quotes. So I went in there. You know, freshman student, intimidated, scared to death. They had just lost this game. I went up to Jerry Eves and said. Um, you know, something stumbling along, excuse me, sir, uh, you know, kind of, kind of get a quote about the game. And he goes, he goes, let me get this straight. Two seconds left on the clock. Our guys at the free throw line, admit we missed the ball goes in the corner. Their little guard runs into the corner. Click. He turns around. He dribbles past three guys, gets a click. Now he gets all the way to half court before never another second runs off the court, runs off the clock. Kiss my ass. Flash Gordon isn't that fast. <laughs> I said, thank you, Mr. Eves, and walked out. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There's there's so many. I you know, There's a um, Google uh, – <laughs> oh, don't Google that one. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint. If, if we, I want to know the – Well, you're going to – Yeah, yeah. you're going to tell the Urban Meyer story. <laughs> it's more – I did a clip on it. It's – and this was, and look, I know, you know, I broke the story about Urban covering up domestic violence and all that stuff. Um, you know, after I was laid off for ESPN, I was writing for Facebook, posting my stuff on Facebook. That was a trip. 
Um, but yeah, I, I thought at the time I thought Urban uh, was one of the best college football coaches. Um, certainly pr- at that time, and you could argue he was, you know, among the top, uh, you know, twenty of all time. I mean, what he had done on the field was incredible. But I, when I was at ESPN, this was before I had reported this stuff about Urban s- several years before. I did this weekly. Um, coach's question where I would ask every coach a question and they would answer anonymously. And then I would give the top five answers uh, for sports center. So before I keep going, can I, can we curse on this? Uh, okay, go okay. ahead. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> uh, so the one, my question one week was if you were at the coaches convention. Who would you want? What co- current coach would you want by your side? And so, like, the top answers were guys like Charlie Strong, who was at Texas, Kyle Whittingham at Utah, um, you know, big, big physical guys, you know, guys that were tough, that were huge, that were that were big. Well, one coach texted me, and he said, Urban Meyer. And so I texted him back, and I said, Urban Meyer? I go, why would you pick Urban? He's not very big. You know, he's not very intimidating. Why would you want him at the coach's convention? And this coach, who I will never reveal who this coach is because I never reveal my sources, but he is he is currently a head football coach. His response was, he goes, I would want Urban by my side because everybody hates that motherfucker and they'd be so busy punching him in the face, nobody would touch me. <laughs> oh man that's yeah i can see that it's it seems like now especially now he has gotten almost untouchable but i feel like there's gonna be he's gonna get hired again in some college realm i i I can still see it happening just because he's been so i agree there's there's 131 Um, schools all it takes is one um school to take that chance obviously yeah. there's some stuff that happened well-documented stuff that happened off the field when he was with the jaguars but ultimately if he can win somebody will hire him the biggest the biggest question though is urban i don't believe would go to coach like at a max school or go to a group of five school i think he would only come back if he could go to a school where he could win a national championship So then the question is, is there an SEC, is there a Big Ten, is there a Big 12, ACC, Pac-12, excuse me, AD that has the resources to win a national championship that would take a chance on him? So it takes – What do you think about Auburn? I mean, he – I mean, that would work. I can see that one. It fits fits the profile. I mean, they yeah. can win a national champ. They've won a national championship. He could go there. Um, you know, it's got it's in the SEC. You know, uh, would Auburn? You know, Auburn's going to have a new athletic director. You know, ultimately, does the president want that? Uh, he's you know beaten Nick Saban, so that's obviously a bonus. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean that's i uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen. You know, I want to make that clear, but yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> no, anything's no. possible. Yeah, you know, maybe number. You know, right. I, know I know the message, and there's a great follow. I think it's message board geniuses. Those guys, I love those guys. So I recommend following <laughs> those guys. So oh, I, yeah. you know, I always see their post, and it's like you know, Nebraska's message board, you know, want uh, wish list, and like Urban Myers at the top of the list. So. You know, who knows? It just takes takes one school, kind of like, a, you know, somebody getting drafted. It just takes one team to like you. It just takes one school to, to like Urban and, and um, see, if, see if he'll come back. But I do think it's got to be an Auburn-type school that has the resources and the ability to win yeah. a championship. He's not going to go to go build Georgia Tech or Duke or somebody like that, that that's got no shot. No, I, I tend to agree with you on that. Um, let's talk real, real quick. Let's get some from some actual football questions in here, and then we'll, we'll get you out of here real quick. Uh, so, which week one game are you personally most excited to watch here um, as we get as we get college football really going here? Man, I don't think there's just one. I think there's a. I would say, you know, 
I think I kind of mentioned them earlier, two or three. I want to see Florida, Utah. I want to see if Utah's for real. It's going to be a tough game in the swamp. I live in Tampa, a little bit south of Gainesville. It's going to be humid. Can Utah deal with that? Uh, I want to see Georgia and Oregon. Uh, Dan Lanning, the former defensive coordinator, first game against the Bulldogs. Georgia lost approximately 85 players to the NFL draft off their defense. So how are they going to replace them? Um, yeah. You know, Notre Dame and Ohio State, I, that's probably further down the list because I think I think Ohio State's um, going to seal club them. I just think Ohio, I think Alabama's 1A. I think Ohio State's 1B right now. And I think there's a drop to even Georgia. Um, and maybe kind of uh, kind of a, a fascinating game for me, it, it kind of a weird type game, is, is Cincinnati going to Arkansas? You know, was is Cincinnati a one-year wonder? Yeah. Was Arkansas a one-year wonder? Um, that's kind of a, you know, I like I like more of those games that are, you know, where the, the spread's kind of closer to under a touchdown where you're really not sure where it's going to go. Um, so those are probably probably the top ones. But, of course, I'll, uh, I'll be watching from noon to, to midnight or whenever. Whenever. Oh, I just realized Hawaii's got a late game, so it'll oh, yeah. be up late. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Hilltoppers come to come to the island, <laughs> so I'll be up a while. Oh, man, that's hilarious. Uh, can you tell me why both Arkansas and Cincinnati are one-year wonders? Like, they're, whoever wins this game is just buying themselves at least one more game to be a one-year wonder than the other, and I think that's about all these teams are going to have this year. Uh, I don't necessarily know that they are. I'm saying I want to find out if they are. Like Cincinnati, obviously, the incredible year last year. They lost Desmond Ritter. They lost Sauce Gardner, their their stud cornerback. Um, you know, maybe they can run it back. I mean, they they were, I think, the highest-ranked group of five team. I didn't have them in my top 25. I think Houston's going to win the American. Um, and, you know, Sam Pittman's done an incredible job at Arkansas. Um, but you know, it's great to do it one year, but it's harder to do it multiple years, especially competing in the SEC. So I kind of want to see who emerges. Maybe they both have great seasons. Um, I don't necessarily think they're, they're, they're both going to collapse this year. I just, you know, you just wonder when they do so well, um, one year, can they, you know, it's easy, it's a cliche, but it's, it's easy to um to be the hunter it's it's harder when you're the hunted and so i think both of those teams kind of fit that category yeah i i I fear for cincinnati to get the ucf uh effect obviously there was other factors that went into ucf but you know just have a couple of years here and there and then down the drain and nobody really talks about anymore until you can join a new conference so it'll be interesting to see that team play uh real quick uh with, with with football coming up it's very exciting of course you know today's thursday Oklahoma State, Central Michigan tonight, a lot of good games tonight. Um, aside from that, because I know the guys are wanting to talk football all, all day long, but I got to ask you, who's the most famous person in your phone? Like, who's the most famous contact you have? Uh, that's easy, Garth Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> that one's awesome. That's a good that's one. Really good one. I've known him since fourth grade, so that's pretty easy. Oh, okay, cool. So – that's a that's a nice nice little uh, fun fact for you. Anytime yeah. you need to tell somebody yeah, that, I've seen dozens great. of his concerts. You know, he's this incredible same guy that I that I grew up with. Um, also a proud Oklahoma State alum. And uh, when I was mentioning the UConn angle earlier, uh, I actually had one of the journalism students reach out to me at, from UConn asking me to speak to the the journalism class because they, they, it was funny because they referenced, they always see me tweeting about Bill Self. And the quick story there is when (laughs) my junior year of high school was Bill's sophomore year of high school. And he was at Edmond high school. Well, UConn played Edmond in the state. um, I think class four, a was the biggest classification back then. And UConn beat Edmond for the state championship. So anytime that, Bill does any kind of accomplishment, wins the national championship, coach of the year, whatever. I'll go on Twitter and say, congrats, coach Bill Self on winning another national championship, but you're still winless in your career against UConn. And um, I've known I've known Bill, we were at Oklahoma State together. Uh, his wife, Cindy, grew up the street from me. Um, so I've known him a long time. I love him. 
And uh, so I saw him several years ago and at a, at a Dick Vitale um, cancer function down here in Florida. And I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. And he's like, Murph, he goes, people keep telling me on Twitter, you keep blasting me, you know, every time. And you keep bringing up how I've never beat UConn and all this. He goes, I go, is that true? And I go, yeah, Bill. And tonight when you get honored by Dick Vitale, I'm going to mention that, you know, congrats to Bill Self on being, being honored by Dick Vitale. What a prestigious honor, but you're still winless against UConn. And he turns to me and he goes, <laughs> he, he turns to me and he goes, I fucking love that. And walked away. So. <laughs> the UConn Millers. That's awesome. We have a couple of buddies that are from UConn. So I hear a lot about the Millers. Um, seems like they've got a pretty good alumni base, uh, I guess, for, for high school. They've got a, a proud alumni. Yeah, it's, proud funny, alumni. it's funny. It's funny. I mean, Twitter's so hysterical. But I'll get on, like, if I'm with Garth or I see him, you know, we're backstage hanging out. I'll take a picture and I'll say something like, um, here's UConn, UConn High School's most famous alum um and garth brooks and then people people will respond and say oh i'm the most famous alum i you know i went to harvard and i you know i discovered a cure for diabetes or what i mean it's like okay whatever get the joke and move on (laughs) you're gonna have to get us hooked up with garth brooks so we can interview him next that'd be awesome (laughs) just get in line i i hear that I get hit up for ticket, <laughs> ticket request uh, sure. more than you can imagine. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Okay, well, hey, I appreciate you so much, Brett, uh, for coming on. Uh, I think we've probably taken some, too much of your time anyways, but uh, we appreciate you talking college football and kind of explaining to us what your job looks like and realignment. So it was an awesome interview. I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, obviously to our listeners, follow him, uh, at Brett McMurphy on Twitter. There's an underscore in the middle of there. I believe that is, it's, it's at Brett underscore McMurphy. And if anybody actually listened to this entire thing, my sincere apologies, I'm sure your ears are bleeding. I'm sure your ears are bleeding (laughs) at this point, but, um, if you, you know, if you're into college football, like, like everybody here is, um, you know, go on my Twitter bio. I've got a link to the action app. It's, uh, you can download it absolutely free um and you get all the real-time updates with scores and a lot of news analysis uh, a lot of my nonsense uh is on there as well and obviously nfl major league baseball etc 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 but thanks guys for having me on and for those that suffer through this whole thing uh, godspeed may the rest of your day be much better <laughs> <laughs> I actually use the Action app, so I, I can go ahead and give it a, a free shout out as well. It's, it's an incredible app. Uh, I like to use it um, on my Saturdays as well. And uh, we got a great Saturday coming up with week one. Only so we two appreciate F-bombs. you, Brett. That's a career low for me. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>